You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. Whoa. Wait a minute. Huh? Hold up. What? Oh, okay. Did we just lose the f***ing Canucks? You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Beauvilliers onto it, so two on one. Beauvillier for Pedersen with the empty net and the hat trick goal. fun to play here now so uh, yeah great win yeah he was turning the puck over a lot though uh, I, him getting three goals I like that part but he, he was one of the culprits WTF I have a lot of questions number one how dare you Good morning, Vancouver. 601 on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintec Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Hey, dog. Good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate Dealer today. We are in hour one of the program. Hour one is brought to you by Everything Financial. Financial Freedom Awaits. Book your introductory meeting today. Visit them online at everythingfinancial.com. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at kintech.net. Happy Wednesday, everybody. It's a big show. We got a lot to get into today. It wasn't as big as we thought it was going to be, but it's still going to be a big show. Uh, Our guest list begins at 6.30. Jeff Merrick, host of The Jeff Merrick Show and the 32 Thoughts podcast right here on Sportsnet. We'll go around the NHL, but we will be spending a ton of time talking about the Vancouver Canucks and everything that happened last night in their victory over the Nashville Predators 5-2 at Rogers Arena. JT Miller is going to join us this morning at 7.30. That's not going to happen. Multiple reasons why we'll get into it. Maybe we will. Maybe I'm we angry. Maybe we won't get into it later in the show. But regardless, what we thought was going to happen is not Miller won't be on the show this morning. However, fear not. An even better character will be on the show at 8 o'clock in the morning. Vanny Sartini, manager of the Vancouver Whitecaps, is going to join us on the show. We'll ask him about JT Miller. That's all we're going to talk to him about. <laughs> maybe Pedersen's hat trick. <laughs> Vanny, it was a pretty sloppy game last night at Rogers Arena, but his... Uh, is, is it a sign that the Canucks are a good team, that they're finding ways to win these games? They'd be like, yeah, we have a playoff game on the we weekend. Have, what are you talking about, Vanny <laughs> said? I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, here's the big part of the show. We're giving away not one, but two pairs of tickets to entertainment events. As you know, every day this week, we've given away tickets to go see Kiss. Wednesday, November 8th at Rogers Arena. That will continue today. Giving away a pair of tickets for the Canucks and the Stars, maybe the best two teams in the NHL ever, maybe ever, ever. Yeah, uh, they're going to be playing Saturday, November fourth at Rogers Arena. Mm, Vegas, now, Vegas is pretty good. Vegas is also good. <laughs> Boston is also quite good at hockey as well. However, Canucks Stars Saturday, November fourth at Rogers Arena. Here's how we're going to do this. We talked about this for seconds prior to the show this morning, so we really put a lot of thought into this. If you want to win the Canucks and Stars tickets, you need to put a ticket emoji. Into your what we learned. Hashtag WWL. Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. After lengthy debate, we decided that the KISS tickets, the emoji of use is a music note. Oh. Isn't there like a lips emoji? That's what I said. This was the debate. This is there shouldn't be a, yeah. Lips we emoji. thought that it might be too confusing for the listener. Can you okay. tell him the problem? Because if the- you type in KISS 
into the emoji thing, there's a whole bunch of different options. Oh, okay. So we're just going to be getting influx with okay, all these go crazy, with music. you know, and I just yeah, There's wanna... multiple music note right. options, too, okay. you know, guys. Laddie. Shut up. One, <laughs> shut up, Greg. Two, as a 44-year-old man, I never thought that my existence would be defined by which kiss emoji are people going to send in to my work. Okay. We figured it out. Let's Did go. We? we got a lot to talk about. Uh, so that's the show. A lot of emoji talk. Laddie, without further ado, <laughs> let's tell everybody what's happening. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. no. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? Missed that? You missed that? What happened? What happened, not what's happening, Halford, you idiot. What happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance. Making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. When we look back on this 5-2 win, for the Canucks over the Nashville Predators, an early season, midweek, October victory over a very mid, I'll say it, mid team in the Nashville Predators. We may say that this was the most important victory of the season for the Vancouver Canucks. There's two reasons why. One, Rick Tockett preached accountability. Mm-hmm. And two, Rick Tockett finally, even though he worked in media before, finally became a member of the media, because despite all the good things that happened, he still found a way to criticize the team. <laughs> well, not only has he been preaching uh, accountability, he practiced it last night, but let's get to the game. Um, it was not a particularly attractive game. Tuesday at Rogers Arena, uh, the Canucks especially were very sloppy early on. As a result, I'd say disjointed is a good word to describe a lot of it, but the Canucks got a win. Elias Pettersson got a hat trick. And JT Miller's night was interesting to say the least. Uh, the Canucks opened the scoring in the first period when a Quinn Hughes point shot. Quinn Hughes made a really nice play to get that point shot away. Bounced off Sam Lafferty's helmet. So good for Lafferty for going to the net and good for him for, I don't know, getting lucky. Good on you go. for not saying way to use your head, Sam Lafferty. Uh, Sam Lafferty's helmet and it went behind Kevin Lankinen, who, by the way, was starting his first game of the season for the Preds, not UC Saros. The Preds uh, pretty quickly struck back, though, with a couple of quick goals by local boys, not Nashville local boys, Vancouver local boys, BC local boys, Colton Sissons and Dante Fabro. Also in the first period, JT Miller took a double minor for hooking Philip Forsberg. It was a bit of a chicken wing call. Forsberg made a meal out of it, but Miller shouldn't have had a stick there. And then he got an unsportsmanlike conduct for yelling at the refs because he wasn't very happy. Remember that for later in this recap. The Canucks did kill off Miller's penalty, and early in the second period, Elias Pettersson tied it. Petey scored again later in the second on the power play. But Miller wasn't on that power play. In fact, while I was watching this game, while I was watching that power play, I was like, Quinn Hughes is out there. Why is Philip Peronic out there as well? Are the Canucks going back to a two-defenseman power play? Mm -hmm. And then it dawned on me. JT Miller wasn't on that power play because he had been benched by head coach Rick Tockett for taking yet another unnecessary penalty in the second period, this time for high-sticking Roman Yossi. So that's three minors, one of them unsportsmanlike conduct, and another one just unnecessary. You know, you got two already, don't take another. It wasn't a great scene. wasn't a great look, wasn't a great stretch. So JT Miller was benched only for like 
four or five minutes. It wasn't a big deal. He didn't, you know, the only shift he took after that was skating from the penalty box to the bench. Took five seconds, by the way. Some hustle there. I don't know. Uh, It was the third period, though, when JT Miller redeemed himself. You knew that Rick Tockett wasn't going to bench JT Miller for the rest of the game. That would have been insanity considering how well JT Miller has played for this Canucks team so far this season. And JT Miller was up to the task. First, he drew a penalty on Forsberg that took the Preds off the power play. And remember how JT Miller didn't like the penalty that was called on him? I don't think Philip Forsberg liked the call that was called on him. Uh, You know, in any league, it would have been like, hey, buddy, can't you hold on to your stick? He's like, no, I can't. And you're going to the penalty box because of it. A short time later, Miller went to the net and banged home a loose puck off a Brock Besser shot. Well, he didn't so much bang it home as as much as he barely touched it and then Lankinen actually put it in his own net. But still, he went to the net, and that's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the win, the Canucks improved to 6-2-1 and one with a goal differential of plus 15. And at the end of the day, it was the big dogs who got it done for Vancouver on Tuesday night. Quinn Hughes made a great play to set up Lafferty's goal. I think he had three assists he on did. the night. Petey... Scored twice after that. Then Miller got the insurance marker. Then Petey. This time it was important. He had this empty net and he uh, put it in the net. And a couple empty nets he missed in Nashville. And this one was important for the hat trick. Thatcher I love Demko, how he held onto the puck for the entire time. Yeah, he was like, like, this is going right I am right not in. missing this one. Thatcher Demko was pretty good too, especially early on when the Canucks were struggling. Um I don't know how much credit we're going to give him for the penalty shot that was saved because uh, Liam Foody fell. Good job, the ice guys. Hey, yeah, good I, job, ice guys. Well, they made it choppy down there for him. Yeah, uh, just a minute or two into the game, um, when the Preds got a penalty shot, could have been different if he scored on that, but it wasn't, and the Canucks won it five to two. So I'm glad that you did that thorough and encapsulating recount of the game, and you made sure. To accentuate the positives, Petey's hat trick, Quinn Hughes' three assists, and most importantly, the Vancouver Canucks winning and moving to 6-2-1 and one on the year. Because everything else surrounding that game last night, I'll say it in the most mellow terms imagine, was very interesting, to put it mildly. The, be- the benching was one thing, for sure, right? So, so let's explain why JT Miller's not on the show today, okay? Here's well, why. we don't know why. We, we do know why. We were we given a reason. We, we were given a reason. We were given a reason. This is, okay, this is, this is the reason that was given to us. Okay. 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 After last night's game, JT Miller did not speak to the media. Um, he said, or it was said by the Canucks media staff, that he was getting, quote-unquote, treatment. Treatment. Now... That is known in the media circles as the excuse of, I don't want to talk to the media. I'm getting treatment. In some cases, I imagine it's been true <laughs> that players got I'm not injuries even sure or real. something. I don't even know if real treatment exists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, after a game, if you're not feeling great, um, you, you, you know, you're on the trainer's table getting treatment. You're sitting in a you hot know. tub on your phone. That is treatment. Let's just say it's been used as an excuse before. Um, and considering the game that happened... Well, you can make your own decision on that. Now, why isn't he on our show? The Canucks apparently have a policy, or they made one last night, that a player has to do a scrum first. He has to talk to all of the media. Before a select group of media. Before the morning show. Before the morning show. Right? right? The bastions so, of journalism before so the morning they show. They said, hopefully we'll get JT Miller on later in the week, but it won't be this morning. Were we upset to hear that? Yeah, we were upset because now we don't have a guest. I had to go to bed earlier. In the I second hour. Half hour extra sleep. Uh, we got to talk more. Um, people will be talking about GT Miller in the inbox, so we got to read more texts. 
But that is the story they've given us. Hopefully we'll talk to JT Miller later in the week and we talk more about this. I imagine JT Miller will be made available to the media as soon as possible. As soon as his treatment's done. It will not be on our show. Anyway. So let's get back to some of the comments that were made in the wake of the Canucks 5-2 win over the Nashville Predators. Rick Tockett, the head coach, obviously he spoke to the media and he spoke about the benching of JT Miller. And I, I think this might be a, culmin, uh, a, a collection of clips from Rick Tockett. So this, isn't, this is just something that uh, the producers put together. This is about two and a half minutes, so hang in there. It's like a Scorsese movie. Here's Rick Tockett on JT Miller. Yeah, it's, it, I love Millsy. I mean, he's been, he's been... I felt at the time for... He needed to sit for four minutes. It could have been JT. It could have been anybody. And, um, you know, accountability. And uh, he responds with a goal. And I think he, you know, he's fine. What was his reaction, especially in the intermission? In the what? During the intermission. Uh, he was good. He was fine. He came up to me and talked to me and, you know, apologized. And I apologized to him. You know, we went at it. I love the kid. I got no problems with JT Miller. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Rusty voice. I'll give you a sec. <clears throat> yeah. When you've got a guy who's going the way he has to start the year, playing the tough matchups, and, yeah. and you make a decision like that, you come back with him to open the third. Is, is that part of the message sent and received communication you're going for there oh yeah he deserves it you know he, you know he deserves to play he's 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 an emotional leader for this team you know it's, we're a quiet team you know and i think sometimes we all give him crap sometimes because he's got to draw the motion for a lot of our guys and um you know sometimes he's going to go over the edge and he got back and he's fine like i like i said um i have no problem with his emotions at all when you do uh, sit a player yeah. like JT Stature, it's obviously a message to him. Is it a message to the team? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think it makes everybody know they're accountable, you know, whether it's JT Miller or Pedersen or, you know, Hoggy or it doesn't matter. I think it's important. Now, <clears throat> some guys get a little bit longer leash uh, for some different reasons. I mean, I'm not going to bore you with the reasons, but um, he's a guy that, uh, you know, I, I think he des- he deserved a chance to go out in the third period. I mean, he's done too many good things for for me and his teammates. And the guy, and when he scored, his teammates were so happy for him. <clears throat> I'm sure there were times you got benched as yeah. a player. Uh, is do any stand out? Uh, as as I, I've been benched before. Yeah, yeah. Mike Keenan's done that a couple times to me. <laughs> <laughs> but he benched me the whole. I, he benched me for two. Like I didn't get I didn't get the to play the third. I was done. So. It was well received. <laughs> Let me be the first to say that was six, that was cinema. Six fifteen in the morning. Uh, I love everything that Talkit did yesterday, and I bet Rick Talkit is like this is an amazing sequence of events because usually when you do something of a disciplinary nature or you're trying to make a statement, it often comes in what a bad performance or a loss mm-hmm. as a coach. That is manna from heaven. <laughs> when you can do it and you go and win 5-2 against a team who might be competing against at the end of the year for playoff contention. Because what you're saying is the stakes always 
matter. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't matter what situation you're not holding up your end of the bargain in. I'm going to hold you to account and I'm going to make accountability a key thing. It can happen in a win. It can happen in a loss. It can happen in good times. It can happen in bad. And do, do I think, think it's I think it's great, great, great. You know what? I don't even care that he's not on the show this morning. Mm-hmm. If this was the byproduct of what had to happen. Yeah. Fine. Like, I could care less. We can talk about anything. I can talk about the World Series for 30 minutes if I have to. Well, J.J. Miller himself has said, I need a coach that holds me accountable. Sure. Right? It's great. Everyone talks about wanting the team to be a real, quote-unquote, contender or wanting to be a Stanley Cup contender, mm-hmm. not being a team that just squeaks into the playoffs. You know how you do that? By not being satisfied. Pushing the guys constantly. I might be overstating it because, again, it is one game – at the end of October, and it's like 10 of 82 or whatever it is, or 9 mm-hmm. of 82. But it matters. Like, it really does matter. Because the other thing that Talkett said yesterday, and this killed me, was <laughs> Elias Pettersson scores a hat trick. Under any other circumstances, you're like, good job, Petey. You scored three of our five goals. We won the hockey game. Yeah. You did well tonight. And Rick Talkett didn't go there. I mean, I'm going to play the audio from the podium now. He was talking about turning the puck over when talking about Elias Pettersson. Here's the audio now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he was turning the puck over a lot, though. Uh, I, him getting three goals, I liked that part, but he was, he was one of the culprits of uh, turning the puck over. Um, we got to make sure that, uh, you know, he knows it. Um, by getting the three goals, obviously that power play goal helped us, but, you know, we're, you know he, we have too many guys returning the puck over tonight. That would have been funny if he just, like, he was like, and, and you know what, screw it. Thatcher's got to make that save. I love <laughs> it. Scissors. Like, he, he just has to. And, like, Quinn Hughes, I mean, come, sometimes you just got to shoot the puck out, buddy. Come on. Quinn Mark. Hughes actually talking about uh, turnovers as well. He is the captain now, so he's the spokesman for the team outside of Rick Tockett. And Quinn Hughes, um, you know, agreed with his coach. This was not the, – the Canucks got it done because of their talent, they had the talent advantage over the Nashville Predators last night, but Quinn Hughes knows this is not the type of game they need to be playing. I think we we just had too many turnovers, and you know it starts with me. And um, you know when our D are moving the puck really good up the ice, and forwards are coming back, um, giving us options. We're playing fast, we're playing quick and predictable, and that's when we've been really good. And I, don't, I just don't think we're very predictable in the first and. Really the whole game, but, you know, we had some guys that stepped up and we were able to win. Sorry, did the Canucks win? Did you notice how closely that was aligned with Rick Tockett's comments? Yeah. That's the mark of a good captain. What did my head coach say? But did they win the game? Yes, but this they is... actually a- came away with the two points? But I this- hate the idea of you never cr- critique a win, by the way. I absolutely hate well, that. Well, it's out the window with this I, Thank group, God. Apparently. I, I, think that's, I think that's dumb for two reasons. First of all, sometimes wins need to be critiqued. And number two, I think it's great to be able to critique when guys are in a good mood about winning. Mm-hmm. And you can tell them, hey... You guys won the game. Good for you. There was little things that you did that made this a successful night for us results-wise. But don't you think it's a great idea to be able to say, like, hey, we won, but that's not good enough? Because oftentimes the way a good stretch ends is with a couple of games where you don't you still get the wins because you're on a roll and there are things that are happening that are good, but then you forget about the little things. And mm-hmm. you forget about things like structure and good habits. And then all of a sudden when the wins go away, then oftentimes you find yourself in an extended losing streak and you have to work really hard to get it back. Glossing over the mistakes because you won is something that maybe a previous coaching regime might have done. 
maybe a different mentality they might have taken with this group where you slap the boys on the back and you're like, hey, it's hard to win in this league, boys, and we got the points. Let's move on to Thursday in San Jose. I think that this is, again, I do not want to overstate the significance of one particular night. I just thought it was really, God, I guess, illuminating that those were the remarks from the coach and from the players following a win in which you would a lot of times, and especially with this group, would have said, you know what, boys, good job. We got the win. Let's move on. I think it was I think it was very, very, very significant. I think of the two things, obviously, the Miller benching, and I use that term extremely loosely because he sat for four minutes and 47 seconds, but it was pronounced and it was prominent. Mm-hmm. I think that might have more of an impact than anything else because Miller's a big personality. Miller has these outwardly shows of emotion that are either like slamming a stick on the ice or on the back of the net or barking at a teammate or taking dumb penalties. And there has been a sense of, I don't want to say entitlement, but with regards to previous coaching staffs, it was always like, well, that's who JT is. We got to keep rolling him out because he's our best player. We tell him, we tell him behind the scenes that he can't do that. But is there meaningful action taken? And I think but. Yesterday, but Rick Tockett also has to be careful not to take the fire out of JT Miller. I disagree. Right? You can you can push that. You can push the limits of that. And you can test, you know, extinguishing the fire because. Well, I don't think he's going to extinguish the fire. I'm just saying right? there, there's two sides to this. One is the Miller side of it. The other part of it is that you elevate guys on your roster into more prominent roles when you bench a guy like that. Pius Suter, you're saying, hey, you know what? You're going to get a more elevated role now. This is what accountability looks like. It's not just about punishment. It's about giving someone another look. I was hearing talk, at, talk about playing um, Nils Hoaglander more in key situations. Mm-hmm. Like, that's uh, kind of separate from the Miller conversation, but it's about giving guys an opportunity and telling them, hey, if you do what I say and you stick to the plan and you play the way we want to play, there may be more opportunities Isn't for just, it. Doesn't it all just come down to honesty? Like the the way the Talkit has coached the Canucks this season has just been honest. That's After fair. the Philly game, he was like, "That's not good enough. Mm-hmm. We look soft out there." So he said some words, and then, according to him, the leadership group said some words, and then they turned it around. And then last night, Rick Talkit has said, "Like, listen, I'm going to hold guys accountable." Uh, JT Miller was kind of playing on tilt; his emotions got away from him. Which is one of the things that even JT Miller has admitted. Like he's like, I'm always going to be an emotional player, uh-huh. but maybe I need to just dial it in sometimes. And last night was an opportunity for him to dial it in. He didn't do it, so Rick Tockett did it for him. Isn't isn't that like? Isn't it all straightforward? Isn't it all very straightforward? Like play well, get praise, do things wrong, be held accountable. It is straightforward. We just haven't seen it. In yeah. the last little bit. That's part of why it's but so But we haven't new. seen a very good team either for the last little bit. Do those, do those two things go hand in hand? It feels like they do right now. Canucks are 6-2-1 going into the gauntlet that is San Jose on Thursday night. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. Chased down by Parson. Again to Besser. Left circle. Shoots and hits Miller in front. It's loose. He scores! Uh, he was good. He was fine. He came up to me and talked to me and you know, apologized, and I apologized to him. You know, we went at it. I love the kid. I got no problems with JT Miller. 7.02 on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. 
happy day after Halloween to you, Andy. I know it's a dark day, but there yeah, is light at the end of the tunnel. There is the candy hangover for sure. And you said it's now 364 days until the next Halloween. Yeah. Also known as your favorite holiday. You also not a holiday. Um, it's actually 365. Oh, God, someone, even worse. Someone pointed out that it's a leap year. Oh, no. Mm. I don't even know if that's factually correct or not, but it's a Halford and Bruff show. You can text in pretty much anything. And we'll take it at face value and agree with it. (laughs) The dangers we take, sometimes unknowingly, on the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Hour two of this program, which was supposed to feature JT Miller, but won't now. Hour two is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier, premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find a perfect fit at Kintech.net. Okay, so in the 7 o'clock hour, we were supposed to have Canucks forward JT Miller on the program. Andy tweeted it out yesterday. We all retweeted it early afternoon. It was locked, loaded. We were ready to go. And then last night happened. We got a note very late at night saying that Miller was going to be unavailable because after the game, he didn't meet with the scrum of reporters because he was getting treatment. I think he's also getting treatment maybe this morning. I don't even know. Point being, there's a policy where Miller can't do sort of one-off interviews like this if he hasn't met with the collective media first. Right. We said, okay, we are professionals. At least they pay us accordingly. We can make do. We will push on. I actually said in the intro to this show, you know, I'm not really 100% sure that this was all about a media policy. I feel like maybe getting benched for nearly five minutes in the game last night might have played a role in this. (laughs) However. Are you suggesting that they maybe use treatment as an excuse? I don't even mind. (laughs) You know what? I don't even care. Because what happened last night was a good thing. Everything that happened last night, even winning and not playing well, was a good thing because it led to some tough conversations, some tough decisions, and a real moment for Rick Tockett where he got to prove that he was a true head coach Mm. and he had accountability for everyone, and that includes JT Miller. What about the media, though? What about us? Nobody cares about us. Here's a question. Is there, and this is for all of you guys, is there a fan base in the NHL that is feeling more encouraged, better about their team's start. Maybe Vegas. Philly. No, no, no. <laughs> Vegas. No, no, no. Vegas Philly. won the Stanley Cup. Yeah, Vegas no, won and the now they haven't Cup. lost the game yet. They're 9-0-1. Yeah, I was going to say Philly's Philly. a good one. Yeah. Philly's a good one. Boston's maybe a good one yeah. because they had the losses of Bergeron and Krejci. Yeah, everyone and, thought they'd fall off a cliff and they haven't done it. Yeah. San Jose Sharks fans. Okay, no. Detroit. Take it seriously for one time in Yeah, Detroit, life. I'd say. Yeah, Detroit. They look like they're improving. Yeah, I mean, they've, had, they've had a really good start. I think the Canucks might be at the top. I think they are too. I think they might be at the top. Yeah, like you can't just yeah. go on, on 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 records, like because we knew Vegas was good, and even Boston. Like I don't think anyone expected them. Well, maybe some people thought they might miss the playoffs. I'm sh- I'm surprised by Boston. Yeah, but they were really good last year. Like if we're talking about, yeah, they were like loud. unbelievable last year, right? And I still get the sense that Philly fans feel like the wheels are going to fall off very quickly, and Canucks fans don't feel that way. It's not the same. I don't talk to a lot of money. There's not the same. They have confidence the in the coaching feeling. staff. The yeah. Canucks fans, I mean, yeah. Someone texted in, and we were talking about Toronto and how a lot of the moves that Brad Living has made are, have not been successful. Klingberg, yeah, I think he has like five points. He has five assists, but defensively. 
every day I'm seeing, you know, things on Twitter where it's like, oh, that was a bad defensive play. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan Reeves doesn't play that much, and somehow he's a team worst minus six. Like he's become that type of fourth line player where he is a liability mm-hmm. when he's out there, based on his plus minus at least. Um, Max Domi hasn't been very good. I don't think Tyler Bertuzzi has found his stride there. It's the same candidates doing all the things. William Nylander is playing really well, but they got to sign William Nylander. Meanwhile, so this is an unsigned text. Jason is talking about the additions to the Leafs not doing well. I was talking with a buddy about this exact same thing as it pertains to Alvin. Everybody he's brought in has had a positive impact on the team. D-man, backup goalie, coaching staff, etc. Yeah, things just, they're just, Going pretty well for the Canucks. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine if this JT Miller thing had happened last season? No. Like well, it one, because they wouldn't have done it. But it two, would, yeah, I couldn't imagine. Well, Tockett could have done it when he came on, right? Tockett coached quite a few games for the Canucks. But it, it just would have been, you add it, and it just, you add it to the pile and like, oh my God, like the criticism. And now, honestly, like this thing, and maybe it's us spinning it, but it's being, I see it at least as a positive, right? Everyone's like, good. JT Miller needed to learn that. And then he came back and he redeemed himself. And Tockett was like, I'm fine with him. I, I love JT Miller. I love him. This is amazing, right? It's not your you fault. Know? I know. And and if you look at the additions that Patrick Alvin has made, not all of them have like been absolute home runs, right? Like we were talking yesterday about Pew Suter needing to have some more production. But Casey DeSmith. That's looking like a really solid pickup. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, Ian Cole, I think, has helped calm down the defense. Sam Lafferty, like, he's been a good addition. He's the type of guy I want in, in the bottom six, right? There are still some leftovers. There are still some holdovers. Obviously, Tyler Myers has been criticized a lot. Connor Garland, Anthony Beauvillier. Um, we've seen criticism for those guys. Mm-hmm. But Beauvillier is not long for this team. Yeah. He was basically a contract they had to take back in the Bo Horvat trade. Garland, that wasn't Patrick Alvin. And Tyler Myers, that wasn't Patrick Alvin. And Jim Rutherford has honestly said, like he, he said at the beginning of the season, like there's still a couple of contracts I don't um, want. The one acquisition that you didn't mention there that I think we should probably start focusing a little bit more on, although we fo- focused plenty on him already, is Philip Ronick. I am thoroughly, thoroughly impressed. And he's now at almost the 10-game mark this season. Because remember, we didn't see a ton of him. Last season. Mm-hmm. The other part of this. Give up on this guy. Why did they move him? With a team that is trending in the direction they're trending, why did Detroit make a pass? Is there something we don't know about? Did we get fleeced by Steve Eiserman? You had these thoughts as well. For sure. Right? Yeah, yeah. Ronick is an incredibly good top Pair defenseman. I think he could carry. I think it goes without saying he could probably carry his own pair. I don't think if it goes it without comes. saying. We'll see. He's got. I, eight, I would like to see it. He's got eight points in nine games. Mm-hmm. He's playing close to twenty four minutes a night. I know that there's the. It's very advantageous playing next to Quinn Hughes, but like that to me is identifying an area of weakness for the Canucks. That was the entire defense not named Quinn Hughes. <laughs> adding to it. And then seeing the fruits of that right away. Because, again, we had – I mean, naturally, we're going to be a bit pessimistic. That's kind of our personalities. But I'm not going to lie. I was with you on a lot of it. It's like I want to know exactly 
what they've got here. He made I, some nice plays yesterday breaking up the cycle, and that's the type of thing that they need more of from their defense. I just think we're getting closer and closer to having a lot of the answers and a lot of the boxes ticked about this guy being a really, really, really good defenseman and the guy that's going to be a key part of this thing moving forward. His contract negotiations would be so interesting. Uh, I know it's going to be overshadowed by yeah, Elias Pettersson. It's yeah. not negativity. It's no, just, no, no, no. But it's, it's a reality. Hold on a sec. We can't have this is a nice. really tough tough contract to negotiate. Let's say, for example, that Horonic plays the rest of the season, for the most part, on a pairing with Quinn Hughes. Uh-huh. And he plays 25 minutes a night and they've got really good, uh, he's got really good underlying numbers, in part because of him, in part because of Quinn Hughes. His point totals look good. That's a tough negotiation because, uh-huh. you know, his agent, which is, is it? it's Alan Walsh, right? Yep. And we all know that Alan Walsh He's not afraid of a fight, right? He's put not it, afraid of an argument. Way. We're nine games into the season. Walsh is already tweeting about yeah. it. Yeah. And, and and then meanwhile, the Canucks will be like, yeah, like, we like you. Don't get us wrong. We traded for you for a reason. We think you're a really good player. We were talking you up. But at the same time, you have to admit a little bit that your numbers have been helped out by playing with, with a guy that might be a Norris finalist this season. Mm-hmm. Like, you and have to admit that. He's on pace. And Alan Walsh would be like... I have to admit nothing. <laughs> uh, right? Mind <Mine> Rose. <laughs> um, I think, well, I don't think. I'm, I'm almost positive. Unless injury strikes again. All of his individual marks through his, like, very limited NHL career. I mean, he's his career high of nine goals and a career high of 38 points. Like, I'm pretty sure that that 38-point total is going to get smashed this year. So he's going to have, I mean, you talk about underlying numbers, the overlying numbers. I mean, he's going to have good counting stats. He's going to have good underlying stats, but it's fine. That's a problem for another day. I just wanted to kind of circle it back to that text that was saying, you know, the, the acquisitions that Alvin's made. And yeah, when we looked at them, we're like, can this make you 5% better in this category? Mm-hmm. Can this give you a slight upgrade at this position? And for the most part, they have. And I think it's a direct result as to why they're in the position that they're in standings-wise. Like It's yeah. been a very good start to the season. It's also been aided by the fact that the Pacific Division stinks, which is awesome. And there's a lot of Pacific Division teams that haven't got off the mark yet. Well, well the Heronic, funny, and the Heronic yeah. thing, he even said, or Hugh said post-game yesterday, I'm paraphrasing, like, I knew we'd be good together, but even I didn't think we'd be this yeah. good. Like, even Hughes is surprised by how well this pair is playing together, which leads me to wonder, like, so they're, like, never splitting them up again now, probably, ever again? Mm, like, I, I would never say never. Never say never? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. They're, they're just playing they're, so well, though. Yeah, but you what if the second to... pair becomes a problem, right? Yeah. So, at any rate, it was funny because you said the Pacific Division stinks. I was watching the uh, intermission with uh, Jamal Myers and David Amber, and they were talking about how the Pacific Division is the best division in hockey. Not standings-wise. Well, not standings-wise right now, but... But the, the team people don't talk about enough is L.A. Like, L.A.'s a good team. You, if, you, if you watch them play in Toronto yesterday, yeah, a lot of the focus was on Toronto not playing well. Mm-hmm. But there's reason. Like, they were playing a pretty good team. Vegas looks really good. I think Edmonton's going to bounce back. Um, maybe the Canucks have created enough of a cushion to make it a race between the Canucks and the Oilers. But there is still so much of the remaining. Um but I, I mean, I know I know what you're saying, right? Like Calgary to me is a disaster, mm-hmm. and I thought Calgary might be one of the teams that was in a race with the Canucks. Um, Seattle has had its struggles early on. I think the Seattle. I'm more bullish about Seattle than I am with Calgary. But you know, I'm Seattle's not high off to a Seattle. tough. 
Seattle well, feels I, like the ultimate no, regression no, no. team. The, the reason the reason I'm not high, like the reason I say that is because I'm so low on Calgary. Okay, okay I, but- I, I'm just like I think Calgary is in a disastrous spot right now. Having watched them the last three or four games, they are in big trouble. And for Eric Francis to report what he did, I know he kind of suggested it on a, on our show yesterday that mm-hmm. all contract talks have been stalled. It is not very often where you go down the road with one of your players, and in this case is Noah Hannafin. You go down that road, and you're like, okay, someone can leak it to the media that we're pretty close here, mm-hmm. that a deal might. And then for that to just be like, what, nine games into the season? Yeah, all talks are off. Yeah, It sounds like Calgary might do a, a massive um, change in direction. And if you think, if you're Craig Conroy right now, and you watch the first nine or ten games, and you look at your situation and go, I got Lindholm as a pending UFA. Mm-hmm. I got Hannafin as a pending UFA. I got Tanev. I've got Zadorov, all pending UFAs. Think of the draft capital that you could create by trading all of those guys. Um, I look at Calgary as one of those teams that it's been very fortuitous for the Vancouver Canucks that the Calgary Flames have gotten off to the start they got off to. Because I had Calgary pretty much in the same spot where they were last year. A fringe, borderline playoff team. Me too. 90 points. They're going to be in that mushy middle with the Canucks at the end of the year. So for because them, because they weren't a horrible team last season, right? No, and they actually had more points than Florida. <laughs> and I suppose they could kind of grit and grind their way into another similar situation this year. Although they got a lot of catching up to do now, that's the big difference. Because right now, by the numbers, Calgary is the second worst team in the NHL. Everyone knows what the worst team in the NHL is. It's the San Jose Sharks. They earned it. They're going out there on a nightly basis and proving it. They are the worst team in the NHL. Can they just go home and spare them this season that they're about to have? Just just leave. Their points percentage is .056. Like, they are... This is a nice jinx you're putting on the coach yeah, right I, now. To be honest, I was nice thinking jinx. about this last night. Like, I'm slightly terrified for Thursday yeah. as, like, just a Canucks fan. And it all fell apart yeah. in San Jose. <laughs> Why did it have to be San Jose? <laughs> go look. Their lineup is hilarious. Yeah, they it stink, is, man. They're the new, oh, that guy plays their team. Mm-hmm. For example, Anthony Duclair. I did not know he was a member of the San Jose Sharks, but he is. Luke Cunning. I forgot about him entirely, mm-hmm. but he's a member of the San Jose Sharks. Philip Zadina. Oh, you knew that. I mean, that was a pretty big story. Yeah. Mike Hoffman. Yeah. What, what's Zadina all done? These, honestly, they're Michael all... Granlund. What's Zadina done? Granlund is a member of the Sharks. If if you look at like Mike Hoffman, Philip Zadina, Anthony Duclair, these are all wingers that like don't play a team game. Top four defenseman Kyle Burrows. We had him on the show in the off season. Like mm-hmm. they are. I mean, I hate using Island of Misfit toys, but <laughs> over that's daily, exactly what they are. Over a daily faceoff, their top pairings. God, we're jinxing this so bad. Yep. Their top pairings are Mario Ferraro uh-huh. and Ty Emerson. That's not a real guy. You talk about a no-name lineup. That's what it, who is Ty Emerson? And then it's Vlasic with Kyle Burrows, and the bottom pair is Matt Benning with Jan Ruda. So the, mar- the so entire team's a random name generator. We're going to go deep inside baseball here inside hockey. Daily Faceoff has this thing where if you're a known commodity in the NHL, your jersey shows up with your nameplate and your number because yeah. you've been in the NHL for a while. <laughs> if you're not a known commodity, you just get the team's logo. And the Sharks have like seven Sharks logos in their lineup. That's how you can describe this team. They are completely anonymous, right? It's like, I know he's on the team. 
I know he has a number. I just don't know what that number is. You know what number he wears? No. I don't know what number he wears. Anyway, back to the original point here. Uh, Outside of San Jose, Calgary's the second worst team in the NHL Mm -hmm. by standings. By goal differential. Do you think they peaked too early with that 10 nothing win over Abbotsford? I think that was the... You know, you don't... <laughs> Did they get too cocky? <laughs> no. Get too cocky? I will say this. We said it at the time. You're acting like jerks. The hockey gods are not kind people at times. They did it to themselves with the karma. Yeah, they could have yep. stopped at six or seven. That's true. They were the ones that iced an NHL capable lineup on the first game of the exhibition season, right? No one told Calgary to do that. That was Ryan Huska's decision. So now hockey has decided to return serve and say, you know what? You're going to have a horrible start. Why don't the Flames just rebuild and hopefully have something coming for their new arena? Because they just gave Jonathan Huberto the most expensive contract in franchise history. Mm. It just kicked in. This was the first year of the extension. Could they drive him into the into the wilderness and just see if he can get back? Go, oh, boy. <laughs> run. Uh, Nazim Kadri drives. He's like, you go too, Naz. No, no, no. No. I don't know what they're going to do. But yeah, those, it's it's always like, but those guys, but those guys. But you, wouldn't, wouldn't trying to keep the team competitive be the very definition of throwing good money after bad? Yes. In, However, in, in some ways, in some ways, you almost have to be like, yeah, we did that, but we still have to rebuild. We still have to do it because I, it's going to get worse before it gets okay, better. I'll tell you what, with all this talk about the uncertain future. I just love that it's Calgary. Well, the, I, I got to say, you know, remember when we'd say about the Canucks and this was like a few years ago, like sometimes you're screwed. And you just have to wait to come out of it. Calgary might be in that position right now where just like sometimes you're screwed. If I'm a Flames fan and I'm looking at this big picture, I'm a little concerned about the leadership group here and the executive because let's be honest, it really shouldn't take you nine regular season games to make a fundamentally franchise-altering shift. Do you know what I mean? Like your mind shouldn't be changed that radically after nine games. Like you should have had some proof of concept one way or another what you had. As a team, they pay analysts thousands of dollars. They have GMs making hundreds of thousands to do well, these to very be, things. To, to be fair to Craig Conroy, he might have just taken a wait and see approach. And what he's seeing right now is leading him down one path because the only guy he extended was Michael Backlund. Right. And that but, wasn't that wasn't a big deal. And he can still. But they weren't going. They were going down a path. They were talking with Hannafin and yeah, with but they're talking. They were talking. Right, right. But now those talks are on hold. Yeah, but the, but the, fa- but the like fact it. that they didn't get those deals done, I think you you can give the benefit of the to doubt me, to, to Craig Conroy. To me, going into this, this particular team and this particular situation with a wait-and-see approach mm-hmm. is not the right approach. You well, need a bias for action, mm-hmm. and you need to pick a direction. You can't just say, oh, we'll see what happens. I think teams like Calgary and Winnipeg, they're always in a tough position because whenever they have a player that's actually willing to sign and is a quality player, they're like, okay. Mm-hmm. Because they're worried about attracting free agents. They're worried about, let's say they go through a big rebuild and they get their star player, like Matthew Kachuk, for example. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they're like, are you going to stay? He's like, no. But, um, and, that, and that's one of the reasons why they're building this new arena, right? Yeah. They want players to stay. But I still think even with a new arena, you know, players just, a lot of them want to be elsewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to compare Calgary to Winnipeg, but I don't want to compare Calgary to Vancouver either. Vancouver's a, a much more 
uh, attractive city for the majority of NHL players than Calgary. Okay, That's can, just the reality. I was in Calgary two weekends ago. That's I your, can confirm. And, and, and like, I like Calgary. I've been to Calgary a few times, had a good time. It's fine. Right? It's fine. It's fine. It's a fine um, city. And people will say Vancouver's got its issues. Yeah, if you're poor. But hockey players aren't poor, right? They they love Vancouver. He speaks the truth. Right? It can be harsh, but it's true. No, I, I get what you're saying there. I want to I want to pivot back just again to the talk of bad starts of the season. So we went through San Jose. By the way, the Canucks are going to be in San Jose on Thursday. We have sufficiently jinxed that game. We apologize in advance. San Jose is bottom of the table in the National Hockey League standings. Calgary is one spot ahead of them. If you go through the bottom 10 teams in the NHL right now, you will find Nashville, Minnesota, Seattle, Calgary. Those are four teams, four teams that I all expected to either be in a playoff spot or battling with the Canucks. Did you mention the Oilers? Because they're in there too. I can't count Edmonton. I'm with you. Like McDavid and Dreisaitl are too good. For that, for the Edmonton, I can Oilers, see the Oilers winning like ten games in a row. Exactly, and yeah. McDavid has like thirty-seven points over those ten games. And we're like, <laughs> yeah, that happened. He's a good player. I think that for what the Oilers is a slow start, for the other teams is an area of concern. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like I think it's a oh, concern for, sure. for Calgary. For sure. I think if you're St. Louis, you're not stoked about your start. I think if you're Seattle and you're already at the ten games played mark, you're like, uh oh. Was last year a bit of us catching that lightning in a bottle? Mm-hmm. Minnesota has not been good, and the goaltending's a problem. And we saw Nashville last night. I was listening to Sat and Bick talk on the post game show, and Sat spent a minute and a half or two talking about the opponent. And he's like, "That's a toothless team." Despite the fact that their logo has a gigantic tooth, that is a toothless team in Nashville. And I was like, "Yeah, the, if Forsberg isn't scoring." And Yossi isn't, you know, really doing more than any other defenseman's asked to do offensively. Like he has to carry that team offensively mm-hmm. at times. They're not great. But they're rebuilding. But they were a point away from making the playoffs last yeah, year. Yeah, but they're rebuilding. They, they, they look at all the draft capital that they've amassed. They've got a new general manager. What I'm talking about here, yeah, though. I yeah, know. Like the teams that are going to be in the mix with yeah. Vancouver have gotten off to poor starts. And we talked about banking points at the beginning of mm-hmm. the year. Like this is going great. This is really, really going well, and we haven't even added to the fact that we'll circle back on this in the next segment of the show, which was supposed to be JT Miller, but it won't be. Um, what happened last night was not resting on their laurels and not just being happy with getting two points. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, there, there would have been a lot of iterations of this Canucks team that would have said, hey, you know what? We got a win. It was, yeah. a, it was a win that we needed, and we got two points, and we'll move on to the by, next. By the way, I think it's funny when I hear people say, like, that's the type of game the Canucks wouldn't have won last season. I'm like, that's exactly the type of game they would have won. <laughs> a flawed victory. Right? No, like a flawed, of like they, it's not like they didn't win any games last year. A lot of the times they would win games. They wouldn't play particularly well, but they would get great individual performances from Pedersen or Hughes or, or, or you know, like the, the, those types of guys. That's the, that's the problem. I think that's what Rick Tockett saw. And he was like, hey, we want to be more than that. We don't want to be a team that relies on individuals Mm -hmm. to get our win. We want a more complete team game. And I think he took issue with a lot of even his best players last night for turning the puck over. The whole game was just disjointed. Yeah. Right from the very beginning. I was like, you know, like, and it was Nashville, too. Nashville had some brutal turnovers from their defensemen, and so did the Canucks. So, it was a janky game. So in some ways, I'm kind of glad the Canucks had that, although because heading down to San Jose, I didn't want that to be the trap game. <laughs> but this is where we'll kind of find out 
are they going to take this message from Rick Tockett seriously, or are they going to be like, yeah, 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 coach, we got the win. Why Sweet are you point. complaining? Right. Um, we'll dive into the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket next. If you want to weigh in on last night's game, please do so. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Also, if you want to win tickets to the Canucks game on Saturday, it's the Canucks in Dallas, two of the top teams in the Western Conference, going toe-to-toe on Saturday at Rogers Arena. Send to what we learned in. Make it good. Hashtag it WWL and put a ticket emoji into your text. That'll enter you into that one. If you want to win tickets to see Kiss, yes, Kiss, on Wednesday, November 8th at Rogers Arena, same thing. What we learned, hashtag it WWL. You got to put a music note emoji. If you want to cover all your bases, just throw every emoji imaginable. Don't put a Kiss emoji, though. You can if you want, but you have to have the, the music note emoji. You can't just say kiss tickets, please. We're still getting lots of those. We are getting lots of those. You have to send something of substance. You're not being clever by just right. saying that. This is not, remember, it's not a grand prize draw. It's a contest. It's always important we, we point that out. So send them in. Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. This is your home of the Canucks. This is the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff.